1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: AT&T Connects, an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and Got my PrevNar 20 shot.
0: It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk.
3: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
0: Welcome to All The Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio, in partnership with Showtime.
4: Welcome back to another edition of All The Smoke. Jack, what's up with what you? bro? How you doing, bro? You good. Yes, sir. For me, you look nice.
0: Happy to be back. Appreciate you, bro. You were explaining me. I need it? to get them shoes though. The LBJ. Yeah. Shout out to LBJ, the Mad Max. These, hey, these LeBrons right need here, those.
4: boy. Two twin. I, I couldn't figure out what sweatsuit to go with because this goes with this one and the other one goes with my other one. But yeah, these motherfuckers clean right here. You good? You good? Appreciate you, good. you man. <laughs> hey, man, we got a special guest in the building. Legend, uh, man. Legend in the space. We're gonna start it off, but obviously, we got Wiz Khalifa in the building today. What's up, appreciate yours? you coming. What's up, y'all?
3: Appreciate y'all for having me. Man, y'all y'all thank both you. super fresh. I was like caught up in the freshness. <laughs> <laughs> like, Damn. That boy's just shit real quick. Crazy, One time. appreciate
0: that. 2020 was a whirlwind.
3: What did you take from this last year? For me it was all about like family time, like balancing, kind of like reconnecting and shit. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't been off of the road in mm-hmm. at least like 10 or 12 years. I've been touring consistently, recording consistently, um just just moving and shaking, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a time period where I wasn't doing anything. So for me to not be traveling and not going anywhere, it was like a crazy reset. You know what I mean? It it hasn't been like that since I was a kid.
0: Never had that much downtime.
3: Man, hell no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, especially having to stay in the house too, like Mm -hmm. not being able to physically go anywhere, be in contact with anybody. It was, it was like it was pretty extreme. But um, you know, having my eight year old is 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 really cool. Like shout out to Sebastian, my Mm -hmm. son, and um, you know. Just making sure his life and his routine was kind of going how it should. Mm -hmm. School kept him entertained, so he had to stay on the Zoom school, but Mm -hmm. also giving him breaks in between that, and trying to keep him physical and moving around and just entertained throughout the whole thing. So it was it was a cool little reset. And um, you know, as far as business, I did a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. business wise that didn't have to do with music. I started a, a, a online restaurant called Hot Box with Wiz. Been killing. Yeah, it's delivery only, mm-hmm. so we were able to utilize the fact that people weren't, you know, going, going to sit down in restaurants. So I was able to do that. My liquor company went up because everybody was at home, depressed, drinking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh Khalifa Kush went up because yep. we essential was an essential business. business mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. we've been doing that for years. Yeah. So it was a lot of cool little things. Acting and television. Um, I'm on a show called Duncanville where I do a voiceover. I play this character, his name is Mr. Mitch. He's like a counselor. He's like the cool ass nigga that, uh, that all the kids fuck with. But um, I was able to record two seasons at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just sitting right in my backyard in my studio. So um, yeah, business wise, I got a lot of shit done. I just wasn't able to like yeah. physically travel yeah. and shit. But that's mm-hmm. what they say. I mean, you, you, you should
4: you know, bearing health come out of this better than you went in. Yeah, for like sure. Said, we, we, we we did came, we, yeah, we came out a lot better than we went in, you mm-hmm. know, with blessings and like you said, just being on that grind. So it was definitely for for, for me too, first time. You got you think we start pooping and travelling at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, traveling the world for basketball. That was the first time and then once we retired too, we're both working for news stations, so we're traveling across the country and doing this show. That was the first time I got to sit out and kind of just reflect. Yeah. And kind of appreciate life and what was going on and be more of a dad so I definitely appreciated the reset too, man. Yeah. I'm sure. glad
0: it's over with because that homeschool was stressing me uh, out. Man, that was... shit was a movie. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> stressing mean, you, me you, out.
4: found appreciation for teachers, man. Shout out to you teachers out there, man. It's hard to keep two entertained. I couldn't imagine keeping the whole goddamn class entertained. Yeah, but school
3: is needed. Like, you realize, like, yo, they need to be social and they need mm-hmm. to learn from It's so much more than just the work. It's the yeah. interaction and it's... I love my son to death, but I appreciate his time at school <laughs> and man, what they can do for him. Yeah, yeah and he break. need that teacher for a reason. Yeah. And, it ain't, and, it ain't, and
4: it ain't cheap. So, born in North Dakota, uh, yeah. you were an army brat, moved all around, lived yep. in Germany, UK, Japan before settling in Pittsburgh. Talk to us what your childhood and upbringing was like, uh, bouncing around so much.
3: Just being a new kid all the time. Mm. Um, my parents always made sure like I played sports and I did this and that. So I was always like reintroducing myself and like yo I'm Cam I'm this that blah blah blah. So uh, you know growing up I moved to Pittsburgh because that's where all my family's at. But then I moved away and then uh, I went other places and I came back. So there's a lot of motherfuckers I knew from my childhood mm-hmm. that were reintroduced to me when I got older and shit. Mm-hmm. So it was cool man. It was fun. Uh, I definitely got to experience a lot. And like you said, you went to a high school with like a mixed crowd and shit like that. No,
4: I went to a high school with all white kids. Well, you went
3: to a high school with white kids. Yeah. And I got to mix it up a lot. Like Pittsburgh is super hood, but like moving around, well, there's inner city and then there's the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And then moving around to, to in the military families, you get to just mix and mingle with everybody. Right. right. So uh, it was cool. It was fun to be around a lot of different crowds and and, and really just expand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it helped me out like getting older too, to figure out what type of crowd I wanted to associate right. myself with. And
4: being able to move in different crowds. See, like my, my younger, like my junior high was mixed. And then my parents didn't want me to go to school with that crowd. So they put me in the all white high school. So mm-hmm. that's really when i learned how to... And people say, cause I'm half Italian and half black. Like I didn't really start being around white kids until I was like nine years old. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like that was new to me. I was around black, Mexican, Asian. So to be able to have both sides and kind of understand how to maneuver, that's how you really, you feel that now, that's how you can move in business and and move in different crowds Hell yeah, That's just important, man. It helps out a lot. Definitely important. When did you start writing? When did
3: did that become a passion of yours? Um, I started writing in like third grade, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I got like a lot of older cousins and shit. So I would just be with them, and this was maybe like ninety six, ninety seven. So like, Pac and Biggie had just died. Mm-hmm. Fucking, you know, Puffy was kind of like that nigga. Uh, you know, everything was kind of changing. Music was changing. You had yeah, you had your really, really mainstream hip hop, and then you had like your hardcore shit, like DMX and mm-hmm. shit like that too. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. But like, I remember going and getting his first album, like as a kid. You know what I mean? So that's the type of shit that I grew up listening to. And my cousins, they would bang like Master P and all of that Ooh, shit. So dude. I had like a mixture of everything right. mm-hmm. and um, they would write and they would battle. And man, we listened to so much music, bro. Like We would go online and like fucking get the lyrics and learn the words and we'd all be in the room rapping that shit together. And that's kind of <laughs> how we, you know what well, I mean? We first started doing our little thing. And then as time went on, like my musical taste changed a little bit. I got more into like lyrical shit. I had to go back and do my homework because I'm young. I'm only thirty-three. Mm-hmm. So a lot of like the the early nineties shit, like NWA and Nas and Wu-Tang and all of that. I had to just re educate myself on that. So that's what I spent my teens doing. Mm -hmm. Like, really just listening to like hardcore, like really, really hip hop shit. Mm -hmm. Then I got, you know, like 16, 17. That's when I started hustling, making money. So I'm listening to Mm -hmm. Cameron, State Property. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, that's my type of shit. So it was just a process of just my own musical taste and then just developing, you know, my own style throughout your that. Own style. Yeah. yeah. But I started writing in uh in third grade. Who
4: were some of your inspirations? You mentioned some
3: people you were listening to. You mm-hmm. know, you said
4: Jay was uh, you know, instrumental in in, in parts of, of your game. Who did you, did you try to pattern your game after anybody else's or you take bits and pieces from people?
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I feel like my whole just existence is just a combination of everything that I've seen and love. I love groups, so Bone Thugs and Harmony is one of my favorite groups. Mm. Wu Tang, Dipset, like just the whole, you know, having a whole your own slang and mm. your own logo and your own way of dress that always influenced so- me. Busta Rhymes is one of my huge influences. I love his videos and how animated he is, and just being yourself. Yeah, energy, performance on stage, Mm -hmm. crazy. Jay Z, uh, swag on stage. You know what I mean. So these are all little things that I pick and choose from that I love. Cameron's my favorite artist out of everybody, just as far as like swag, attitude, lyricism. Um, You know, people try to like say that he don't really rap, rap, but. You know,
0: Please,
3: he he he, dumbs it down, like you know what I mean. Like Cam's that nigga.
0: He rapped though.
3: Yeah, Cam is hard. Yeah. So he's I really one of my want him Not to
4: cut you off, I just heard him kind of uh on. I was listening to J Cole shit the other day. Shout out J Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought Cam was gonna rap. I thought he was gonna at least give us eight bars. He didn't give us no bars. He was just kind of the hype man for the first song. I'm like, yeah, they got Cole and Cam. He got he got Cam out of retirement. and Cam just kind of hyped it. Didn't he You even gotta rap. get
3: Cam to spit, bro. Yeah, that's what, I,
4: that's what I was hoping. So where did your, where did where did the name Wiz come from?
3: Wiz comes from me always being into technology and shit, and just being like a smart dude in general. Like I always was into school. Like my dad made me do like fucking. Homework projects during like the summertime and Mm -hmm. shit, so I was always kind of like nerdy, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So that was my first name, it was fully wisdom, wisdom, yeah, yep. But my dad used to just call me Wiz, and everybody on the block used to be like, Yo, that's young Wiz, blah blah blah. So it kind of just stuck. Mm -hmm. And then the Khalifa, uh, my dad, I mean, my my granddad is Muslim, so I got that name Mm -hmm. when I was real, real young. I just put them both together and then came up with it. So Jack just converted. Congrats, bro. I'm doing cool. a lot. I appreciate yeah, it, bro. Yeah, I, You said For you sure. stopped drinking and all that. Yep. That's gangster.
0: I'm happy. You know what I mean? I'm in a good place.
3: It's a good place to be. That's all that matters. Tattoos. When did you realize
4: that that was something that's going to be a part of who you are?
3: I think I got my first tattoo when I was 16, and it was crazy, because my mom actually was like, yo, you don't want to get on a tattoo? Oh, she's <laughs> Your mom. Yeah. I was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I got my first one, and then... Just like you know, my influences. I was influenced by Lil Wayne and Travis Barker, like at the same time. Right. So it was like, how the fuck can I be like Lil Wayne and Travis Barker? I was like, yo, I gotta tap my whole body. Like Literally. I can't just have one or two tattoos. Literally. Like, what was your first tattoo? Uh, it's right here on my uh, on my on my bicep. It's the uh the the rap group that me and my my cousins had. Okay. Yeah. Was what was it called? Yeah. It was called Mammals. Shout mammals, out yeah, Shout yo. out to mammals. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> being an animal. It's like being a beast. You yeah, mammals, yeah. Yeah, mammal, yeah. yeah I could dig it. So, you completely covered any more space? I still got space. Like, I'm still doing my
4: legs and shit. That leg, them legs hit different.
3: Oh, though. yeah. They do you they use hurt any really kind of bad.
4: tattoo, numbing cream, or dude? Like, what's
3: your routine? Because you got so many, everyone's routines. What's your routine when you get tatted? I just smoke. I don't like to get too high, honestly. Like, people be like, yo, you get high. That shit makes you freak out when you're getting tattoos. Yeah, you feel it too much. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the time doesn't
4: pass. It takes, because you're counting the moments in your head. Yeah, being (laughs) stoned and getting tattoos is
3: like, it's it's not the best. yeah, I like to just have music playing, like just a couple shots. Yeah, it's like a party. You know okay. what I mean? I get tattoos in the studio and shit. Like Whatever. the more going on, I feel like the better. If it's just me and that person sitting there, it's it's pretty bad. But I don't use no numbing cream or anything like that. Get to the money. Yeah, and Especially I usually fuck anyway. up and like try to get like a small tat, and it ends up taking like eight to ten hours and shit. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of my tattoos weren't even supposed to be as much as they are. But most painful tat. The most painful. I would have to say there's a tie between the back mm. like anywhere on my back mm-hmm. and my motherfucking feet. Oh, mm. I got the feet. I'm Shin, the yeah, shin. Shin is a mind. Yeah, the Shin's a
4: bitch. Bro. Shin hands. I didn't like my hands. My hands swell up like boxing gloves. Yeah, like boxing gloves. In between the webbing.
3: Elbows. Yeah. Anywhere ribs. where there's like that ex- that bone popping out where they just hitting the needle yeah, with the man. bone yeah. and shit. Oh I man. Hate <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not
0: a fan. Explain the mixtape days, the process of getting your music out there, you know, like on Dead Pip or stuff like that. Explain mm-hmm. what was your thought process during that time.
3: That was a fun time for me. I was really just finding my way, Mm -hmm. kind of putting people on to what I thought was cool. Uh, Still am, but at that time it was like, there was like a real opening in the game because I had signed to Warner Brothers first and I really seen like what the the industry was like, what mainstream and what, you know, kind of just, we got 10 records. We only like this one, you know what I mean, Mm. and that's difficult to go through as an artist because you you love all your shit, right, right. But they'll tell you in a heartbeat, like nah, like we don't even want to fucking hear that shit. Like Mm. they'll skip through it and they only want to hear that one or that two. So that let me know what that was like, but that also let me know that I didn't want to be that type of artist Mm. where it was just that song. You know what I mean? Like I was more concerned with the substance and the content, and I could make that song as well. So it's like, how do I entertain the building, like make them happy to where they'd be like, yo Wiz is this, this shit, but still keep my fans be like, yo yeah, right. this nigga is killing it. This nigga freestyle this, that, and the other thing. And that's more where the mixtape mentality comes in, where it's like, I get ideas every day and it's just me being creative and social media gave me an outlet to literally just act on all of those ideas as soon as I feel them. Mm-hmm. So if I wake up in the morning and I hear an Al Green sample you know, I can listen to it, show people on the internet, go to the studio, record it that night, put it out on the internet, and sh- shoot a video for it, showing me recording it, and it just like involved everybody in the process and made it more real. To the point where a lot of artists weren't doing that at the time, so um, yeah, it became an experience, and it's fun for me. I I love this shit, so you know, it's something that I'll always be into. Um, I I love making albums, but. Mixtapes and, and just fun shit, you know, content for the fans, that's that's always where my heart's going to be at. Yeah,
4: see, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, you have some legendary mixtapes, I mean, legendary, like we was bumping your shit before you mm-hmm. came, not just because you were coming, because like your mixtapes have always gone so hard. So mm-hmm. what is the difference between preparing for a mixtape and then, like you said, a studio album?
3: Right. Um, For a mixtape, it's more of my own ideas in the production. Um, if I'm listening to, if I'm working with uh, this producer or these types of beats or this sound is what I'm going for, uh, I'm able to just lock in and just do that. No interruptions, no distractions right. and when I put it out it is what I want it to be. Um, especially before streaming went crazy because that made it harder to like sample songs and things like that. They'll come back and get at you later but um a album is more like a collaboration you have to work with people who are great at what they do so you know me coming in the game wanting to make hits i'm not going to do it with an unknown producer i have to do it with somebody who's made hits mm-hmm. i have to get in a room right. with somebody who's actually you know had a few number 1 records before and um it's just a process of figuring out who works and who doesn't and who likes this song and who doesn't it's more of a team effort mm-hmm. and um yeah, that's all the difference is to me. Talk to us
4: about the uh, taken from us too soon, Mac Miller.
3: Yeah, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, that's my little homie, man. I I I love Mac. Y'all went to the same school. Yeah, we went to the same high school, but he was younger than me. So when I was out of school, he was doing his thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> but I always appreciated him, and still do because I got to watch him come up. I got to see him be a uh, like an excited, you know, kid in the studio. Fucking couple dollars for some studio time, to being a global fucking superstar. You know what I mean? And you don't get to witness right. that a lot of times. Like sometimes you'll just meet a nigga like when they're on their way up or blah blah blah. But I actually seen his whole process, and he's really really talented. Like he played all of those instruments and he wrote and he was really passionate about his music. And that's the thing that I love from him the most is his like his raw talent. Man, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So you drop your first CD
4: show improve in 06. Mm-hmm. How does life change after that or well, what's because you, you you got into uh kind of had a falling out with Warner Brothers. Right. Um but explain that
3: process and, and where you were at your, in, in your life at that time. Shit, I was still in high school, so it was like my dad was like, "Nigga, what the fuck are you doing rapping?" Like, "That's cool, but you need to go to college Ooh. or some shit like that." And I'm like, nah, I'm gonna do this rap shit like Going back and forth to New York, they had this thing called the Breeding Ground back then for uh, all hip hop. That was one of the major sites. Just kind of like just running up in buildings and taking you know meetings and kind of just meeting artists at that time who were who were on the come up. I remember B O B was one of the artists who was on the come up at the time. Uh, Kids in the Holiday from Chicago, uh, the New Boys like they mm-hmm. from out here. Just random motherfuckers like. It was cool being in that scene and kind of, you know, just trying to figure it all out. But I don't think any of us knew exactly what the fuck we were doing. We were just figuring it out. What's up? I'm John Wall.
1: And I'm CJ Toledano, And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
2: I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because did I need it?
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and an extended free Shopify trial.
2: Connecting changes everything. AT and T.
4: So
3: say yeah it was a hit. What was it? what was that like? What was that experience like? I was signed to Warner, so I had I had met with everybody. Uh, I met Tom Wally, who signed Tupac. Mm-hmm. So they was mm-hmm. like all hyping that shit up, and he kind of just like walked in the room and looked at me, and then walked out of the room, and I was like, "Fuck!" But. It was cool, like it was a process for me. I feel like that was more work than anything. Um, I got to see how to like, you know, do the radio thing and mm-hmm. any artist I don't think nowadays they, they get the the opportunity to really learn like how to talk to DJs or do meet and greets and program directors and the importance of that shit and like building those relationships, that's what say yeah was for me. It was like a relationship builder where I met a ton of DJs, a ton of motherfuckers who like, you know, that might have been their first interview at the time. And then they went on to become bloggers or this or that or presidents. And like it it was just a good time to just put down that groundwork and that foundation. So you went the
4: indie route after the Warner Brothers situation didn't work?
3: I started doing my thing independent, but... um, it really wasn't like a bidding war because I was already making so much money on my own. Mm. I didn't want to sign. Like I was just like, I wasn't taking no meetings. I wasn't really talking to anybody. And uh, Zvi, who was the A&R at, at Atlantic, he had got with my manager at the time, Benji, and they had a conversation. And Benji was like, I'm just going to bring him to the show. I'm like, bring him to the show, but do not introduce him to me or none of that. Like I don't want to meet him. And he's seen the performance, he's seen like everything. And he kept flying back to Pittsburgh and was just like begging me, begging me, begging me. Like, yo, please, I know you hate labels, but we're gonna do it right this time. We're gonna give you a shit ton of money. We're gonna leave you the fuck alone and let you have your own direction, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, fuck it, I'll go, I'll go meet with Atlantic and see what they talking about. And then when I met with them, I met Julie, Craig, Kaiser. And all of them, and I was like, oh, they actually kind of really fucking cool. And that's when my team came along, like Marsha and like uh, Emmanuel. And there was a lot of people who, if it wasn't those individual motherfuckers, I wouldn't have mm-hmm. done what I did. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it definitely had to do with the people as opposed to just, uh, you know, signing them, signing the a the deal. Name, or, yeah, yeah, no. yeah.
0: What was the first thing you bought?
3: <laughs> I know, you know, when I first got, uh,
0: when I was drafted, almost the second to last pick in the draft and I got a Vance for 25 racks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I come from the block, so mm-hmm. 25 racks was Made it. a million to me, mm-hmm. especially cash. Hell and then yeah. it's coming from a check. You know what I'm saying? It's free money to me. I ain't have to work for it. I run from the police for it. So I went, picked up my homeboy, Mike Bibby, his sister, my brother. We went to the mall. Every pair of Max, Polo. I left out of there with probably about 2,000. Damn. <laughs> That's cool. What you did when you got your first big check?
3: First big check.
0: Two thousand, huh? Yeah, I ran out, I, out. I'm to
3: my, my first. My first big check. I bought the I bought the 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 yellow and the black zigzag chains, Yeah, and I bought the black and yellow challenger. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. My first big. Check. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dope. And then, uh, and then I wrote Black and Yellow right after. Yeah, class, I had to get the money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more bad. Definitely did. So, talk
4: to us about that process. Black and Yellow. It was. It was. Uh, it, it inspired the Pittsburgh Steelers. They End up going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> right after that, is it, it's been. <clears throat> you, you did a purple and yellow, but talk to us about where that came from and yeah. just that the, the vibe and the wave that was on it, and it was your hometown team. Yeah. Um.
3: That was crazy because I always wanted, um, like, I look at people's moments in their careers and shit like that. And they say you gotta, like, mimic the greats to become a great. But just me, I know what a standout fucking moment is. Right. So I look at what people's moments are, like, Snoop, uh, you know what I mean, when he came out. And his first video, and he's running from the dog catcher. He turned to the dog and he's like on top of the the, the, uh, the record store and everything. It's like, that's the monumental Snoop Dogg moment. Mm-hmm. And there's songs like from Snoop's, like Gin and Juice, like that'll never, ever, ever, mm-hmm. ever, 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 ever go away. Mm-hmm. So when I'm creating my first single, now mind you, I'm coming off of Cush and Orange Juice and I hate record labels, but I'm like, okay, cool, I'm back in the building, I gotta make a single. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not gonna walk in here with a mixtape record. I gotta make a single. So my idea of a great single and something that's a standout moment is something that represents my city because I love Pittsburgh so much. Everybody from Pittsburgh, we love our city. We rep 412, black and yellow all day. So that was my initial thing was like, okay, I'm gonna go in here and I'm gonna write a hit about my city. The actual words and the beat and all that shit, Just came from up above, like you know what I mean. Right. That's just that's magic how that stuff happens, but the intention was there. Was like make a hit, make it be your standout Mm -hmm. record. Um, I recorded that song in maybe June, and uh, Black and Yellow didn't come out until August, I think. And that whole time. The Atlantic was trying to get me to record more and more songs. They're like, "We need another." Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, "Nah, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one." So eventually, they went to radio with it, and it had a really, really slow start. Like, it started off super, super slow, but it picked up a little bit more. I went on tour. I went to jail. Stillers started winning. a Couple things just made you know my name. You, uh, I think at the time, I uh, I was one of the most Google names like in the world. Just uh, off of the uniqueness and you know just me smoking weed and doing what the fuck I wanted to do, so all of that combined, boom! Black and yellow Steelers. Uh, I think they went to the Super Bowl like the same week that the shit went number one. Mm. So it was crazy. Early it was like time. like I said, it all came from above. It was a blessing, but it was definitely like intended to be, you know, my my moment from the beginning.
4: Rolling Papers debuts two thousand eleven. Is the ten year anniversary? What's mm. what stand out from that, and and what are some of your favorite songs on that album? Um,
3: my favorite songs on there are like the race, uh, on my level, start a show, shit. We had we had a we had the uh, the deluxe come out, and there's a Nipsey verse on there that I remember getting from him. He was at my house and he recorded that. That was just a special album. It was a fun time. Uh, Black and Yellow was on that album. Like I was saying, I was coming off of the mixtape stage, so everything that I was doing, I, I had intentions on you know it sticking and it lasting for a minute. And um, the fact that uh, the album came out ten years ago and people are you know still talking about how classic it is and what it means to them and what it, how it changed them um, that 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 makes me happy for for what I did with that project.
4: You spoke on Nip. Um, I know you guys had a unique friendship. He was an instrumental in your life. Very mm-hmm. welcoming. You guys really vibed. Uh, talk to us about your relationship with
3: him. Yeah, Nip was my partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my homie, man. Like, you don't get too many friends like in the industry. And uh, currency... yeah, I know when you
0: when you say it like that, that's yeah. your homie. When you mm-hmm. say it like that's my partner, that's yeah, the... yeah, 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 yeah,
3: exactly, right. exactly, exactly. At currency, that's one of my partners. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. So you got a couple people who you feel that type of way about. And uh, we came up together. We were on the same Double XL cover. That was a legendary cover. Yeah, J Cole was on that cover. Yeah, Cole, Cole on that was cover? on there. Was it there. A Ten
0: for Ten something like that?
3: Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I forget. There was a lot of niggas on there though. Or oh, yeah.
0: uh, Juice Man. I think OJ Juice Man. I think Sean
3: was on that cover. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Juice yep. Man was on there. J Rock was on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of niggas on that cover. But um, yeah, it was cool. That was the time we was all coming up. We were hustling. We were couch surfing, we were sleeping on couches. Some of us had Louis, some of us had mm-hmm. not so Louie. <laughs> so it was cool, man. It was fun, man. It was it was a good time to be a young rapper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even just coming up and seeing his transition, you know, uh it's fucked up. He was taken away from us, but he was, he was definitely about everything that he said yeah. that he was about. I got
4: a chance to you know, meet him in like 09, 2010. And mm-hmm. like you said, if you've seen him and really seen him, you see his involvement and talking about every level mm-hmm. of that, but always getting to that next level quickly. Yep. That was a, he was a smart dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. Second album, ONIFC, arrived December 2012 with a top single, Work Hard, Play Hard. Mm-hmm.
3: Was there any pressure to follow up a debut? Was up was something better after that? I don't. I didn't feel like there was any pressure for me. Uh, I think the label probably felt some pressure and <laughs> something like that. But I just, I just like to create. And when I made that album, I was in a really good creative space. Uh, I was listening to a lot of like old school, like Marvin Gaye shit, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to to make something that uh, musically just stood out to me. And uh, of course, like I wanted my fans to, to get it too, but I was just trying to impress myself. So uh, it was really based off of my life and where I was at and my experiences and the thing I was going through. And um, yeah, I felt like I got it across. And then like later on in life, it was it's crazy to, to hear people like go through some of those same experiences and be like, oh, I, fig- I just now figured out what you was talking mm. about. Just that O and IFC shit right here. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you caught a
4: little late, but at least you
3: it. yeah. Um, yeah. Tell
4: us where Taylor Gang came from. The origin of
3: that. Um, you really made that kind of your thing. Mm-hmm. So Taylor Gang was just the. It, it just started off as the homies. I'm the youngest out of everybody, so I couldn't even get in the club at certain points, and they were the ones really in the club popping bottles and. You know, paying the DJs to pay the rec play the records, mm-hmm. grabbing the mic mm-hmm. and going crazy. And so that's what I seen coming up. And that's just what I wanted to do. So as soon as I was old enough, 19, I had a chain and I was in the club with my mm-hmm. niggas and we was right. going crazy. So it was just really about the the party life and the and the and and the and the excitement and making that music. And we were all from the same neighborhood. So it was like everything we did was the same. We all talked the same we dressed the same, and mm-hmm. when we walked into the room, it was just like, you know, it's you knew what it work, was. Right. So we just took that attitude on the road, and as, as it spread, it just became more of a lifestyle of just doing whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And we met more and more tailors nationwide, whether it be Chicago, Detroit, uh, Louisiana, Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, LA, Toronto, like, you know what I mean? There's tailors everywhere. So, it just I mean, even out of the country, Brazil, fucking mm-hmm. UK, everywhere. Um, it just became a lifestyle in a, in the in a, um in the in, in, in a brand. I
0: thought I thought it meant the way y'all rolled y'all joints cuz I heard you on a couple of y'all I'm saying smoking Taylor. Yeah, we smoking so, Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. an old
3: school term too. Yeah. Uh Bay Area niggas, they call yeah. it join the joint a Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mac yeah.
0: Dre. Mhm. And uh Mac Mao used to say that smoking yeah. on the Taylor. Yeah. 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 Uh,
4: when did you when did you fall in love with the plant?
3: I started smoking weed early. I usually don't say say what age because I don't want to inspire anybody to, was, you know. I was 14 when I started. Yeah, I started smoking real young. Yeah. But on an everyday <laughs> basis, though? 12. Consistently? 12. Consistently? 12. That's for real? That's Damn. Every day. That's gangster that Every day. And yeah and yep. That's crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't say, I, don't, I don't say say.
3: I don't see my, my my smoking age, but it was young. And I think, you know, it was crazy because I was in the studio. Like, I used to sell weed. I used to sell to, like, white kids and shit like that. So that's how I learned about it. But I was in the studio and a nigga told me, he was like, bro, like, you're hard. Like, you could rap your ass off. But as soon as you start smoking weed and rapping, he was like, you're going to... Go to the top. Mm. I was like, man, I don't need that shit, bro. I'm bro. as soon as I started smoking weed and <laughs> rapping, <laughs> that's when it happened. Like my association with the weed and the music. I heard shit that I never heard mm. before and I started like
4: you got in your
3: zone. Yeah, it was like the under under uh, the real music, mm. you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't just a surface level thing anymore. And that's what made me really fall fall in love with weed is the relationship with music that that it, that it goes mm-hmm. together.
4: You talked about kind of the evolution. You were someone I remember, I, and I, we were talking about this before. But you convinced—I remember me, you, and Snoop were doing something somewhere. But you were like, "You guys got to smoke paper. You got to smoke paper." We were both smoking swishers at mm-hmm. that time. I was twenty years in on swishers because I just joints never really worked. But mm-hmm. you kept pushing on it, so I tried it, and bro, I haven't went back since. I was probably like six years ago. Yeah proud of you. Cause I didn't, re- <laughs> proud of you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but you talk about your evolution of kind of with the plant, how it's kind of started as you selling it and then the homie telling you and it took you to another place, but it's really become a real, real part of your life now. Yeah,
3: yeah. I think we all started smoking weed, like relatively the same. It's just with the homies, like you probably got a parent or something like that who smokes weed. So you smelled yeah. it in the house before. And it was really fucking bad back in the day. Like that shit, you used to have to hide, is. like for real. You mm-hmm. couldn't just smoke weed out in the open, and that's where I come from with it, where it's like you buy a little sack and split it with the homies. And as time went on, um, we smoke a lot of weed in Pittsburgh, so just having like a little A for a quarter wasn't enough. You had to have a zip. Mm-hmm. Like, so we're burning ounces, like you got a zip, you got a zip, I got a zip. That's yeah. the session right there. Right. We're all going, and we're smoking it all. Like nobody's <laughs> saving anything. What the fuck you mean? Exactly. So <clears throat> as time goes on, we started, you know, Branching out, going different places and finding better fucking weed. Me, I didn't like blunts. Like I didn't like the taste of them. I didn't like how they made my clothes smell. I didn't like how they made me feel in the morning. And I was like, if I could fucking just smoke weed and not blunts, like that would be awesome. And then that's when I bumped into spitter and he was on his papers, like, and and my mom had papers, but I didn't associate it with, you know, niggas. Like, you don't never see the homie smoking no papers. But when I got with him, he was like, "Yo, bro, I hate blunts as well. Like, mm-hmm. let's just smoke papers. Let's like come up with our own rules. Not be <laughs> like anybody else. And you know, just think. fucking smoke healthy. Like, just smoke clean." And that was the thing. Like, we documented it. We put it out there. We went around and spread the the the, the good word to everybody else. And eventually, yeah. uh, you know, a, pot a smoke cleaned up. Yeah, not nah, in the last think, 10 years, weed is, is cleaned up. The The idea of weed is cleaned oh, up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of different people who weren't into it before are into it now. It's, it's an essential business. Mm-hmm. Uh, people aren't as scared of it. It's recreational in a lot of different places. And yeah, I, I think that's what the main thing is. People's uh, thoughts about weed just have mm-hmm. to change. Matures, yeah, yeah, and when both. you're just thinking about like niggas rolling around smoking blunts, you know what I mean it's not that inviting, but you know you're having little fucking tea parties and fucking <laughs> edibles and fucking gummies and shit. It's it's all good now. Yeah, I mean, whatever. And, and everybody the, get high. Everybody got their thing. Yeah, get high. <laughs> There's
4: medical research backing it up now. That's why I think it's more acceptable. Um, but Tucker, you've turned your passion into a business. Talk to us about Khalifa Kush and, yeah. and all the stuff you're doing in the cannabis space.
3: Yeah, that's basically what it is. Is uh, just cleaning cleaning up the the look of it. Um, the packaging uh people love pre rolls people love mm-hmm. edibles people love lotions and 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 tinctures and it's just there's there's way more uses for herb as a plant than just the way we like to just put fire to it bath
0: bombs all mm-hmm. all that type of stuff you
3: know what I'm saying so it's using it as an ingredient and you know, spreading it all across the board as opposed to just you know bagging it up and selling it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Now, talk to me about something because we've all been consumers. We're all fathers as well. Have you had that conversation with your son yet about cannabis and when he should or can or anything like that?
3: Uh, I try not to talk to him about when he can because that's a. I don't know. I, I that's it's hard to call it. Like, uh-huh. You know what I mean? But um, we definitely talk about that shit just so he knows and he's fully aware and um I think it's important that you educate the kids early on it because our education on it early was yo it's bad it's going to make you a fucking idiot you're going to not mm-hmm. be successful mm-hmm. like let's switch that around like
4: yeah, change the narrative
3: it's medicinal you don't even have to smoke it. You can grow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's all different types of alternatives where you can benefit off of it, mm-hmm. where you don't just have to just block it out of their life right. like it don't fucking exist. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's my main goal with him is to just, you know, be realistic about it.
4: Yeah, see, because he's what, eight? Yeah, he's eight. So I remember when the twins were nine, They, I remember I put them to bed one time and then they looked out their window and saw me smoking. So the next day they came down, and they're like, Daddy, you smoke cigarettes. And I'm like, damn, do I tell him the truth or not? And I'm just like, no. Nah. So I went for them. I'm like, no, nah, it's a joint. And they're like, what's that? And I'm just like, well, you know, Daddy doesn't really drink and I can't take painkillers, but my knees and my back are always sore from basketball. So when I smoke the joint, it takes all the pain away and I can sleep. And I'm like, ah, oh. mm-hmm. then Carter... One of the twins is like, "Well, Dad, you know I sprained my ankle. When can I smoke?" Yeah, it was an instant like fire back. Like, when can I? I'm like, "Oh, you got to be older than you know, <laughs> 30." He's like, "Oh yeah, 30." I said, I can wait till 30." But like I said to me, and I reiterate what you said to me, I would rather educate them because you never know what their friends are telling them, what they're seeing on the internet, or any of the stigmas they may be listening to. So I like to have a real, even if it may be too early, but just at least if you visit the conversation, you know, next time you come back around, it's going to be something he's ready to talk about. So Absolutely. That's important. I think that's important as parents.
0: You collaborated with uh, Tyler Yahweh? Yeah. And uh, Gunner mm-hmm. on the song, All The Smoke. A lot of people thought that, wanted it to be our theme song <laughs> and, thought, and thought it was our theme song. How that came together?
3: Y'all should do that. All <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to do is sign off on it. We good. I got you. Yeah. Um, that was Tyler's idea. Tyler's like a, uh, he's up and coming artist. I always fuck with like the young homies on their way up. Facts. That's been a, a main goal and like point of mine is just to always, you know, reach out and I do verses for free. I don't even charge motherfuckers. Mm, that's dope. Yeah. So it's like when you get your number one record, run it back, homie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but nah, it's, it's the little homies and not to call them a little homie like that, but right. that's the, 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 yeah, that's the young homie. Mm-hmm. And, um, we got to use our platform to to help each other out. So the same way he's being a new artist and using his platform to keep me relevant, mm-hmm. it's like me as an established artist or a goat or what people you know consider it. It's like the it's like an even transaction in, in, right. in my opinion.
4: You know who does that well is Unk.
3: Yeah, Snoop for Snoop sure. Snoop is very yeah.
4: what good, and that's why part of his longevity is being able to stay relevant with the young people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's important to keep your ear to the ground. Um, we talked about this when you were outside, just the excitement of kind of getting back to life on the road mm. and, and performing again and, and your acting and doing all this. Stuff. But talk to us particularly about getting back on the road and doing music.
3: Yo, I'm actually like fucking scared as fuck. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I'm anxious. I'm nervous. This is weird um, because I feel like that hustle is is a it's like muscle memory mm-hmm. and you got to be in it to to feel it and know what it's like but just on the outside looking in you know exactly what you're getting right. yourself into mm-hmm. you know you're about to like have fucked up flights like shitty food be sleeping crazy i mean it's not that bad for me but i've got used to being comfortable you know what i mean right. so anything outside of that comfort zone is like it's like a red energy. flag a little, a little bit, bit, you, you know what I mean? Energy, but right. I know when I get into it, this is what I'm made for. This is right. what I do. Right. So I'm definitely you know, ready to, to do it. it. But am I excited about it? I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely.
4: <laughs> and congratulations for your residency in Thank Las you. Vegas. Talk to us about that.
3: Thank you. Um, I appreciate it, yo. Uh, Dre's, they always look out. Uh, I do Dre's in Vegas and I do the White Club in Dubai. And um, they let me DJ. Uh, I got a DJ name, it's DJ Daddy Cat. I've been doing that for like three
4: DJ Daddy Cat? Yeah, I've been doing that for like, <laughs> like, like, like five
3: that. five years now. I'm five years in the game. Hell yeah, yeah, I like that. Not Cat Daddy, but Daddy it's Cat. Daddy Cat, Cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I performed the night before and then I DJ the next night. Two checks? Yeah. Double double up, Come yeah on, man. You can't beat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: What's one thing you missed about performing in front of the crowds or on the road, sold out venues? Just
3: the the real interaction. You get to feel it. You get to see people uh, just scream and their eyes light up and performing new music. I love to do Ooh. that as well. I haven't gotten the opportunity to perform anything unreleased or anything new. It just get that 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 party. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's how I feel my uh my stage performance is. Is it's not only like songs that you already know, but it's an experience. So you might hear some shit. I might throw some shit on and just start freestyling. Mm-hmm. I might make up a chant based off of this side of the crowd. Right. Like yeah it's just going of off of room, everybody's yeah. energy. Just do my Punch somebody in the fucking head over here, like that shit hypes you up when you on stage, like you just love that shit. That's dope. Yeah. How
0: involved are you in selecting the acts that travel with you on tour?
3: Oh, I did shit. <laughs> we do everything. Me, and Will, we like pink. Pick. Yeah, we like Pinky and Brain. Yeah. We we do it based off of uh, ticket sales, of course, because we're on so. Live Nation. So being a company man, you know, I, I try to do what's best for everybody, for everybody, right. and they know that they can come to me. Like I said, it's it's an experience. It's not all about just Wiz Khalifa getting out there and doing his thing. It's experiencing uh, a party. It's hearing some new music. It's seeing somebody that you might have fucking not have seen in a long ass time in this type. Of, you know what I mean? Uh, there's different ways to mix and mingle. And a lot of superstars have come off of our tours. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could name countless motherfuckers who started out performing in the daytime when the fucking lawn wasn't even full. And now they have their own you know, sold out arena tours. You dig what I'm saying? And to me, that's a big point of it as well is to just put everybody on and extend everybody's career and just make this whole thing, you know what I mean? A huge lifetime motherfucking party. Talking about
4: tour life, is there one Venue, event, arena—you remember that you just felt like it was incredible. Like life can't be this good.
3: It was the uh, the uh, the championship, like right before the Super Bowl uh, in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and I got to perform at that shit. Mm-hmm. And they flew me private, like from one of my shows. So I had a show that night. And they were like, we have to have you come perform Black and Yellow tonight because if the Steelers win, then we going to the fucking Super Bowl, right. and the game's in Pittsburgh. Got him. So I'm like, all right, let's get it. So I <laughs> flew there. I had Chevy with me. I had everybody with me. It Chevy was. Woods. It was okay. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was like a. It was like a movie, bro. It's like some shit that you know you really wish would ever happen. Right. Yeah, that was probably like one of my favorite moments out of a lot.
4: In your hometown. Yeah. yep. That's
3: dope. Swear you know like i said cam's my favorite rapper like as far as like lyricism and right. swag and shit like that but snoop is probably the person who i model myself after the most um i will watch him just walk in a room and just be like wow like that's really that nigga like you know what i mean and to to see that respect that i do a lot of research i watch like a lot of documentaries and Backstage, stuff like that. So I would watch him on the road and be like, man, I just want a hype man for that nigga. Or I just wanna like <laughs> right. just be the young homie. Like back yeah. back then it's like, yo, I would just like roll weed for that nigga if I could just be That's next how to we him we were. we just wanna yeah. smoke with him. Yeah, <laughs> like I would do anything. and there's I feel like there's a lot of people who feel like that, but you know, to really put those intentions out there and then to see it happen. Mm-hmm. And um Snoop took me in. You know, under his wing immediately when I moved out here to LA. One of the first things he did was like, you know, get a a, a crib around the corner from my spot. Uh, we're gonna record at this studio. Mm. We're gonna shoot this movie. We're gonna make this album. The
4: grind. Yeah,
3: man. It was like, damn. Like instantly. It it wasn't like, yo, uh, we're gonna get high and fucking eat mm-hmm. junk food all day. Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, business. It's time to. It's time to make a moment out of this. So that's why I mean by I model myself after him because I see, you know, his position in the game and still how hard he works and what he does. And, um, yeah, just moving forward, it was like, yo, I'm on tour with this nigga. I get to share the stage with him every night, like he goes, and then, yeah, I was about to say, he goes, I go, I go, he go, and like the crowd's partying. And of course, I know his motherfucking words because I'm right. a fan. Like, everybody, are. any fan, like, would get right. up there and sing that shit with all of their hearts. So, that was like the most like gratifying. Like, wow. Y'all
0: yeah, ever done other Mac and Devin? Me and Matt need to be in that. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. We're going to do know what I mean? one. We need to we're, be in that. We, we've
3: been writing it for years. We just no, going through got us shit there. going on. I got shit <laughs> going on. So, you know, we just got to get in the room and really make that shit happen. But I executive produced a whole album for him that we're going to put out. Of course, we're gonna do the soundtrack for uh, for Mac and Devin too, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll throw y'all in the movie. Oh, Tell me how on. instrumental in your
4: life he was, though. So it sounds like he taught you your grind, you modeled, you know, he, someone you modeled your game after. But how instrumental was it? Um, you saying that? Why? Like, how? Just explain to to, to to everyone how important he was in your journey
3: uh, through this space. Oh, so Snoop is is fucking rare, especially in the rap game. For the simple fact that there's nobody currently who can say that they have their second coming of them, who's like successful, killing it, went on tour with them. Everybody kind of competes or hides the the keys to the game and doesn't really show the homies like what's really good. But Snoop will put me on to plays. Like he'll be meeting with the dude from Raising Canes. And be like, you know who y'all need to get in business with, Wiz, and he'll call me, Facetime me, Yo, Wiz, I'm sitting here with the nigga from Raising Canes right now. That's how we are, bro. That's crazy, bro. Like that's that's real ass shit. A lot of people Mm -hmm. in this business won't do that, and to have a big homie who's not only a legend but isn't scared to put you up on game and bring you up, use his platform. No, none of that. All positive reinforcement, and we chop it up, bro. Like. We just you have been to the compound. We just mm-hmm. show up the compound. Chill. We smoke. Mm-hmm. If you need to get away from the house or whatever on, it is, just go kick it. Just go kick it in the mothership. It's a vibe. Yeah. So is. yeah, he's been very instrumental in 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 uh just my sanity <laughs>
4: in life. Not cause I mean, I mean yeah. he's been through everything. I mean he's been a bit. You know I mean for me to be such a big fan, then meeting me UCLA and then us become friends. You know when you really look up to someone and then get in this space, it's just like you have a, such a long journey. But it's just like damn, that's Snoop. Mm-hmm. And like we're doing charity football games together and he right. knows my kids and do all this. It's just like you kinda of have to pinch yourself sometimes because he is just so
3: cool mm-hmm. and welcoming and the real how a real OG should be. So I do this thing. We perform at amphitheaters and at a, in any amphitheater, there's like there's the VIP, mm-hmm. that's the seats, there's the uh like the pit. Like that's the, the most mm-hmm. and then there's the lawn in the back, that's like the cheaper seats. Um, the most people are actually in the lawn though. Right. But if you're ever in the lawn and you watch the show, you either got to look up at the screen the whole time. but Yeah, you just got to look at the screen the whole time. Because the actual person, the performer, is like oh, this big. fucking big. Okay. You, can, you can't fucking see him. Mm-hmm. And I was always in the lawn when I was, you know, attending a concert. So this is the idea that I came up with being on stage. It was like, what if we put another stage back there by the lawn? And I could run from up here, the way back way up there, there, and go perform like a few songs for them and shit. So that's what I usually do during my tour. So I'm up on stage, halfway through, we'll black it out, put some shit on the screen, and I'll run over, and then they'll hit the lights, and then boom, I'm You're right, in I'm in the lawn, yeah, and they're yeah. going crazy. I'm doing this shit with Snoop, and he's like, "Yo, what the fuck?" <laughs> he's like, first <laughs> of all, I never done no shit like this in my motherfucking life. <laughs> Second of all, we got about a minute." Less than a minute to get all the way up there. I'm trying to run up here. He's like, bruh, like, he's like, I'm a little bit older than you Phil. he straight <laughs> up. But he sucked it up, and, and we did it, and we killed it. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm
1: CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year,
5: Connect the stories, change your perspective, connecting changes everything. AT&T.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
1: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment,
2: oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny USA.
5: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
2: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
4: What's the one piece, the best piece of advice he ever gave you?
3: Best piece of advice he ever gave me was probably just to be myself. uh, Keep doing me. He's like, you know, you're going to be around. And he he refers to himself as Snoop Dogg. He's like, you're going to chill around Snoop Dogg, but don't be like Snoop Dogg. Nigga, be Wiz. Nigga, I mm-hmm. love you because you right. Wiz. You motherfucking rock star. You work hard. You do this, you do that. You fuck with this audience. You fuck with that audience. He's like, always keep that. Never change it. Never give it up. Uh, we missed
4: this when we were talking earlier because we transitioned, but where were you at and, and how did you find out um, about the Nipsey passing?
3: I was at home when Nipsey passed, and I found out because I live with people from the neighborhood, mm-hmm. OGs from the neighborhood. So as soon as it happened, phones was ringing, and um, yeah, mm. man, it was mm. fucked up. Mm, 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 mm. We
4: spoke on DMX earlier. He's someone you patterned uh, your music after. How important was? The way he came
3: and spit uh, to you, yeah. Dmx to me was like um, a—he was just so passionate about his music. He was raw. His flow was infectious. His beat selection was crazy. He forced you to feel it. Yeah, in person, he's such a good dude. I have family from New York, and he reminds me of my my real family. Like just outgoing, just a—you know what I mean? Just a great spirit, a great dude, and um. When I was younger, you remember I told you I started listening to rap like, you know, in like second, third grade. Well, like hardcore rap Mm -hmm. in second, third grade with my uncles and shit. So I had DMX's first album, but then I lived with my mom when I was in Pittsburgh, but then I went to live with my dad in Japan. And he actually like found my whole CD collection and was like, what the fuck is this? Like, why are you a kid listening to this? And he just took all my shit and like, I thought he threw it away, but he took all my shit and he was listening to it and some of it he fucked with and some of it he didn't but he really fucked with DMX mm. and he sat down and told me like as a kid i remember vividly he was like yo all that other shit you was listening to is trash but i'll allow you to listen to this one mm. cuz he's saying this and he's talking about this and it actually means something mm. so like not only did you know he connected with my pop and like I was able to, you know, enjoy his music as a kid because of his realness That's dope. and his rawness. Yeah, That's yeah. Dope.
0: I got a crazy story about DMX. I, um, I'm a sick DMX fan. I got a tattoo mm-hmm. from what, when he say, uh, "My life ain't long. I thank God my last breath, so my life ain't wrong." Mm-hmm. And I ain't never met him. Two weeks before he died, I bumped into him in the Icebox Jewelry. Mm. Two weeks before he died. Damn, and it was just crazy that That's I crazy. got a chance to meet him before That's he passed. Mm.
3: It was crazy before he passed because I felt like he had touched a lot of mm. people like yeah. right before he left. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who got to see him in his last couple moments, and he was happy. Right. Yeah. Like when I seen him, he was in great spirits. Mm-hmm. We listened to music. I, we was with Swiss and um we was at we was at Snoop's compound and we just chopped it up. It was just genuine, fucking just real game. You know what I mean? Rest in peace. Yeah, I remember giving him a lot of weed in Atlanta one time too. <laughs> Just rolling joints for him back to back and sending them to the dressing room.
4: Burning it down. Yeah, yo,
3: he was smoking hella back then. So, your versatility
4: uh, doesn't limit you from doing other things outside of music. Uh, you're in the acting space now. How did you initially get into acting, and and and, and how much are you enjoying it?
3: I first started acting with Snoop, and um, I would say like my my introduction to the game was kind of theatrical uh with my day to days and just everybody seeing behind the scenes and me being more of a personality as well as a musician so um the transition to you know making actual movies um it was kind of natural and just fun and it's it's all an experiment to me is to just see how far i could take this shit and what i can actually do all growth yeah, yeah yeah yep <laughs> for real like yep. I'm inspired by a lot of different movies and just people's moments that do shit. So it's like you can't be scared like you said just put yourself in your in that box. You mm-hmm. have to just go with the freaking flow and use the tools that you have and you know one of those tools is my personality, my fucking ability to remember shit and just being cool on screen, you know right. what I mean? So I want to utilize that. I want to have fun and I want to make other people happy. And I know that them seeing me on screen doing different roles and Absolutely. just, you know what I mean, just ha- just fucking doing whatever. I think I know that's gonna be good for everybody. <clears throat> I also have the voiceover things that I do as well. I love voice acting too. Because It just gives me opportunity to be like whatever the fuck I want to be, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that's we're trying to do too. some
4: uh animated cartoon stuff between me and him, yeah. We'll right you gotta now. do it, so bro. It's fun, man. And we would do our own voices, yeah. Uh, you spoke on uh Duncanville earlier. Talk to us about uh Dickinson and, and what part you play in uh, on that show,
3: yeah. Well, let's go back to Duncanville because okay. Duncanville is on Fox, so yeah. <laughs> Dickinson's on Apple Plus okay. or Apple TV, okay. which is cool. I like. Apple, but Foxes. Right, know. talk to him then. <laughs> but uh, Dickinson is, um, we're in the, I think the second season just dropped, and we're about to start shooting the third season. And um, <clears throat> we had touched on it earlier, they had came up with a character. So it's about um, Emily Dickinson. She's a poet, and she was obsessed with death at the time. And a lot of her uh, poetry was really dark and just fucking cynical. So um this particular show it's not really a comedy but it's crazy how they flip it because it's set back in that time but they use a lot of current shit like music and just jokes and just shit that people would resonate with right now mm-hmm. but they do it with the back the then. story for back then. Mm-hmm. So in the story she's infatuated with death. And they made death an actual person, and that's me. It's like a smooth. I get to smoke weed. I ride around in a chariot. I got ghost horses, mm-hmm. and you know I'm playing fucking you know Marvin Gaye or some 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 low rider music or whatever at the time, and it's really just a play off of who I am, just back in that time. Mm-hmm. It's like a smooth, you know, uh, fucking male interest to her, and it's cool. It's fun.
4: You get paid for it. I get paid
3: for it. I get to you know fucking excite people as death. It's it's really interesting to see how see that's my nerd mind working. Like I go there and they think I'm just acting, but I'm looking at the cameras and how they set up scenes and how you fucking actually shoot a show. I'm like, all right, so this is a show for Apple. I'm gonna take all the notes from Mm -hmm. here and I'm gonna bring that back and Mm -hmm. I'm gonna start shooting my shit
4: like that. Hell yeah!
3: Come on, man. So I'll be. I'm happy to be in the room. As far as that right. goes, too.
4: talk to us about uh Duncanville, yeah, Duncanville Dun- Fox.
3: That's that real TV right there, it's big time, yeah, yep. That's it. It's a um, it's it's kind of a kid show, but it's more mature. That's like a family guy type of situation, and um, that's another one where I'm just bringing the coolness to the mm-hmm. show. Good mm-hmm. to be you, exactly. It's important, that's yeah. Fun. yeah, the fighting league.
4: Yeah, PFL. Talk to us about that and, and, and how you kind of got in. Because I kind of followed your journey. Like, I've been a fan and we, and we got to meet a while ago, but you came in frail and then you started getting in, in, in training yourself and eating right and getting your mind right. It looked like you gained some muscle. Mm-hmm. Like, talk to us how your fascination and your own kind of health and wellness led you to this.
3: Yeah. So, I was never a, a real, like, a professional athlete. Like, I never worked out or anything like that. I played ball in the hood like anybody else. But I never, you know, had a regiment eating right, working out, sleeping, doing recovery, this, that and the other Being thing. Yeah, exactly. That's real athlete mm-hmm. shit. And I respect professional athletes because it takes so much to discipline yourself and live your life. You so know I'm what I mean? That balance. Exactly. Oh, it's oh. a it's a really, really crazy balance. And To not get injured or to, you know what I mean? Just to be in the right mind state. um, It's a lot. And it's different than music because when you're being creative, you get to just wake up and smoke weed and take a shot and, you know, smack a chick on the ass and make a song about it, bro. Jack did
4: that when I played hoop too.
3: (laughs) Also, Jack. Nobody fucking cares. (laughs) Like, it's like that's acceptable behavior when you're a rapper, bro. That's your lifestyle. Yeah. When you're a professional athlete, you have to, like, really. You know what I mean? Walk, walk that line. There has
4: to be a time and place for that.
3: Exactly. So I have a lot of respect for it. And in the past few years of my life, um, training martial arts and mixed martial arts, and um, you know, just learning about the science of the body and things like that, it's definitely taken a, a, a high priority, and it's opened up a lot of business opportunities as well. Um, they just start. We just started a fight. Well, not we, but there's a league called uh, the PFL, the Professional Fighting League. And it's basically an alternative to the UFC where it gives um, each fighter a chance to earn points throughout the season, and then you have the playoffs, and then you have the championship, and that's who gets the belt, and you also get to fight for a million dollars. So it's not really based off of uh, a popularity contest, it's really actual stats. Mm -hmm. And we have fighters who are on the come up who are going to become superstars, and then we have fighters who have actually been in the game for a little bit, maybe didn't reach that point, but it's like, yo, I'm trying to, you know what I mean? I want to compete, right, I want to make some money and I want to have right. a shot at still, you know, being that nigga so or that 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 chick. So, you know, it's good for everybody. It's good for the fans and for me, um, you know, my dedication to health and, and fitness, it kind of just led me down that journey. Um, I linked up with Jay Glazer at, at Unbreakable and started training with Ernie. Uh, Ernie Reyes who's like a legend in the game and a lot of other, you know, freaking champions who kind of just got me sharp and to the point where I'm able to even just look good on camera. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, other than actually looking good on camera, I could actually bang too. Mm-hmm. But that's not really for, you know what I mean, that's mm-hmm. just for sport and that's just to, you know, you practice the technique enough you need to actually right. be able to use it. But, you know, I've worked a long time to be able to, you know, be confident in both of those things mm-hmm. yeah
4: so kevin hart is a part of that as well right mm-hmm. so how how is it uh what kind of situation how is he a part of it how are you guys
3: it's essentially the same thing um i'm more like a creative director okay where you just gonna see me just like hyping shit up? You know what I mean. The musical aspect.
4: Music, yeah, entertainment. So everyone's kind of in there. Do what you're good at.
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. Like just hyping it up and mm-hmm. whatever they whatever they they really need. I'm that guy. And Kevin is more uh, financial mm. and, and and also his platform is different than mine. So it's just gonna take it to yeah, you know what I mean. It's a
4: good combination.
3: If he's in a movie and they have a, a mixed martial arts scene instead of having whatever company on the floor, it's gonna be mm-hmm. PFL. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Shit like mm-hmm. that, just easy, not not real, nothing too crazy. But right. we all do our part to lift the company up. Absolutely. What's your thoughts on Mayweather-Paul? I like it. I like the Mayweather-Paul shit. I like the um, I like the whole celebrity. Celebrity boxing thing. Um, I think they're getting it together. They're making it events better for the fans. I think the fights are going to get better and better. Well, of course, Mayweather's not going to get in there and try to beat the shit out of Logan Paul. And, like. of course, I think he is now after, now, after, now, after, the, after they're taking the his hat and all that. What you I think? think you guys are brainwashed and the hype has been working on you. But, really? But good job. You think so. <laughs> Bro, that's all hype. It's a hat. Yeah, but
0: Floyd's You never seen Floyd with hair.
4: Yeah, Floyd's been working on his hair piece. His rug was game. kinda his
0: his hair looked like some kicked up carpet. Jake Paul is a genius. Oh, he I
4: he I,
3: could I, I I'm not say he could purposefully that say, bro, grow your hair out. Look crazy. Like we about to go viral, fam. Let's do this. Let <laughs> me show you how to do this. You've you done it's this You've done this before, I'm gonna show you how, gonna show how to do this, this now. New, the, yeah. This new game. Ain't nobody's gonna get hurt. <laughs> That's the cold part, because ain't nobody finna get hurt. He caught it. he caught a left, he caught a black eye though. It was just it was all did you see actual footage of the black eye or did you just see a a scruffy eye <laughs> well hey, well, well eye. We,
0: we got a homeboy here who who works here who real cool with both of them and he said he said he got fucked up. <sighs> <laughs> that, I'm sorry I, that's all I'm saying that's all I'm saying hey you don't want
3: to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> he hey, it he ain't dig, buying dig it he ain't buying it He's in your pockets man you know I mean? <laughs> digging your motherfucking dig, pockets because that's what they want yeah exactly that's, that's the exact, game that's exactly what that's they the want that's the game buy into it yeah
0: that's the game <laughs> I dig it
4: I ain't mad at it Yeah, but I, we gonna be out there right we're there of course
3: yeah it's, it's in Vegas it's show, it's showtime. Miami
4: Miami it's showtime so, so. Is in June. Come Ocho Cinco fighting. Yeah, come fuck with us. Fuck. When is it? What's the date? We bringing Wiz with us. What's yeah, the bring date? Wiz June sixth.
3: Yeah, I could leave Vegas and I could go down there. <laughs> <Bingo>. <laughs> you gotta go, oh, bro. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my
3: yo. Mm, mm, mm. I ain't been to the Yams in a year <laughs> either. It's Man. been a while. That'll be a good time
4: to go. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um. See you again. Oh yeah. Eleven times platinum. Uh. A song that went unfortunately right along with with, with, with the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us about that song, how it came about. Obviously, it had a, a meaning too with, um, why am I forgetting his name? Paul Walker. Like with oh, mm-hmm. Paul Walker. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. But talk to us about how important that song is and just the process of coming up with it.
3: That song, um, for sure, biggest song of my career. Um,
4: One of your moments you're talking about. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. And um it just uh like being in an airport in Korea and hearing motherfuckers singing, you know, the hook and the verse and mm-hmm. shit like that where they don't even speak English. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that that type of shit is crazy. You you can think that your song is gonna do that, but for it to actually happen, See, it's just mm-hmm. like, all right, wow. And uh the process for making it was was cold because um they came to me, the people from Fast and Furious and Warner and Atlantic, uh, they came to me and and they were like, you know, we're we're trying to put this song together and your verse is gonna be one of probably like eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, we wanna make this like a compilation song. And Charlie's hook was just supposed to be just like this, like the reference. They were like, we're gonna get this artist on the hook. We're gonna get this verse from this person and that. And I was like, all right, cool. So I just wrote my verse and just sent it in, you know, with no thought about it or whatever. I'm like, it's a soundtrack. It's a little bit of money. Like, cool. And then they were like, nah, we, we want you to do the whole song. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I wrote another verse. And they're like, well, we like this part of this verse. And we like that part of that verse. So can you flip this? And can you? I'm like, oh, I know what's going on here. Y'all turn, y'all turning this to a motherfucking production. So in my head, I'm like, just be available, be ready for every little step. If these motherfuckers tell you that they don't like one bar, just be available, be ready to to change it. And it was kind of a process of like tweaking the song for a few months, and then you know we shot the video before we even released it, and along with the release and just the song coming out it just took off it did what it it went crazy mm-hmm. and the message behind it and of course the the Paul Walker thing and it just really really like I don't know I I, I had no idea that they was about to go that crazy with it but um yeah it it, it did everything that all, all the energy that we put into it it did everything that it was supposed to do yeah yeah. yeah. And the fans made it go crazy. It was freaking number one for, uh, I think, fourteen weeks. It's I don't know how many times platinum, and it's it's the only rap video at, however many billion views that it has. Mm-hmm. But I was the first rapper to ever get a billion views on YouTube mm-hmm. as well. So it helped me make history, yeah. right? In a, in a lot of different ways, and it touched so many people.
4: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Talk <laughs> about your uh, tribute. Um, that you and um, Charlie did for Cope? For Cope. Yeah,
3: man. That was big. I was actually in Miami the night before um, because it was Super Bowl weekend and the Super Bowl was in Miami, so it was just a fucking craze fest. I had a whole week booked down there just to be in Miami to work and, you know, work. And I was like, they hit me last minute, was like, yo, we're doing, because of course nobody fucking right. expected that shit to happen. Mm-hmm. And then there was the, uh, the, the home game, it was like the first home game. Mm-hmm. And they were like, uh, you know, we want you to do it. I'm like, I'm in Miami. Of course I'm a fucking do it. I don't give a fuck what I got to do. Like I'll f- jump on a jet, blah, blah, blah. Charlie just so happened to be in Miami too. So we both got on the same jet the next day. And just flew out and, and knocked it out. Mm-hmm. And like that was just such a such a an honor and such like a I wouldn't have been at the crib like, yo, I I wish I could do the fucking tribute for you know what I'm saying? Like this happened. That was just a beautiful ass thing. It was a great opportunity and you know, you could couldn't ask for for better stuff like that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Just to hold it down and to kind of put people at ease about a situation. What
4: was the energy like in the arena that night?
3: it was like quiet like you know what i mean like yeah it was like a it was like a hoop game but nobody was really there though mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's what it felt nobody like. wanted to be there yeah it felt full but it didn't feel like nobody was there wow yeah man you ever met Kobe? You ever seen him play yeah i never seen him play but i got to meet him a couple times yeah always a cool ass dude bro always. like just great energy smiling very welcoming I do a lot of charities and things like that, and I would always see him at those events. Mm-hmm. Things for single fathers and things for families and things to help out um like real ass situations like Kobe would be there. Mm-hmm. And even like just fucking partying, like seeing I seen him at like Puff Daddy's house. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just mm-hmm. kicking it. Right. But yeah, he's a cool dude. Mm. Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. for sure.
4: <clears throat> you talked about fatherhood, current state. Of hip hop and 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 how do you you kind of touched on it, but what what kind of your your way of staying relevant in this space as you also cross over into to to music and or music and film, mm-hmm. to television and film, excuse me.
3: Um, I look at music like uh like music is always young. It's like a a baby that never grows up, and if you try to mature it too much, then you'll you'll be like you'll be lost in the right. sauce. So I just I enjoy everything and enjoying and digesting are two totally different things. <laughs>
0: Completely different things.
3: <laughs> so, you know, everything that you know, it's not all being processed. Right. But I enjoy it. I love it. It's fun. It's good. It's good for 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 kids. It's good for people's families. Um it's making a lot of people a lot of money. Um, I do want to see the young rappers be a lot safer. Mm, I see a lot of violence yeah. and a too lot much, of way lot too of much buck shit that it's not even really about. And it's like we do music to get away from that shit and get out of that. Right. And I'm a fond believer of as soon as you become an entertainer, nigga, you're an entertainer. Like Yeah, that's over. Yeah, you ain't no gangster. No I mean, gangster is taking care of your family that's and it. doing what's exactly. right, mm-hmm. making it home safe. That's gangster, like to me and everybody else who've been through it. Right. But really been through it. Yeah. But like all that tough stuff, if you want to be tough, there's a place for it. Join the fight league. Join your league.
0: You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah. <laughs> you may say, you ain't as tough as you think. <laughs> yeah, you ain't as tough as you think. <laughs> so that's how I've been a very, very, very big advocate in trying to keep these youngsters safe. Try to tell them the right thing. Try to tell them to make the right moves, watch their surroundings, watch who they're around. And, um, you know, I want to see them live long and come be on, in the man. game forever. Come you know? on, man. Yep, yeah. That's what it's about. So, yeah. Coming down the stretch, quick hitters,
4: first things that come to your mind. All right. Give me your mm-hmm. top five rappers from the East Coast and your top five rappers from the West Coast.
3: Cam. Cam. <laughs> One. Jay-Z. Talking about East Coast. Now nah, let me go old school. Big Daddy came. Mm. Mm. Now let me go sleeper. Cannabis. Mm. Ooh. Alright. Mmm. Alright. He snuck that. Oh. <laughs> that one in there. Cannabis
0: was was Yeah,
3: cannabis was ill. And uh Damn, I already said cannabis for the lyricism. Oh, Nas.
0: Nas, yeah, of course. You gotta say
3: Nas. Yes, sir. Yeah. Congrats yeah. on that Grammy. Congrats, Absolutely. bro. Yeah, well. Congrats deserved. on a
4: lot of things, man. That man is just hustling. Yeah. Oh, you know, he's, the behind, the oh, yeah. he's but, behind the scenes killing it. He's behind the scenes killing it. I just watched something he just uh produced the yeah. other day. That monster? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With uh he's, with uh ASAP in it. Yeah. He's
3: man. behind the scenes killing yeah. it. Shout out. No, we got, we got to get it. See, now. he's I'm a Virgo. Saying. That's what we do. I'm a ooh. Virgo, too. We, we behind the scenes kill it. Yeah. Swiss Beats, you know, very good businessman. Very artistic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just a silent killer, you know? Love that. Yeah. I ain't mad at All that. right, so quick hitter. Top five, who else? So now you got West, West Coast. Coast. You yeah, gave us right. your five. Eights, West Coast, five Cube, Sugar Free. Ooh, uh, shout out Pomona. Yeah, yup. Snoop, uh, 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 Mac Dre. Ooh. Um, that's four? Uh-huh. Burner.
0: Burner. Yeah, yeah. Burner the homie. Cookies. Burner's
3: a bazillionaire, dog. Yeah. He's oh, a no. monster. Yeah, he Burner's my man. Yeah. No, we definitely got to get Burner. Oh, but I got to say
4: Too Short, too. I'm sorry. There's plenty I, of room, Well, yeah the, plenty the of yeah. the West Coast deserves... Yeah. We can give them 10 if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit. We <laughs>
0: Keep but going. I mean, I mean. <laughs> If you could have one artist or group
3: dead alive to collaborate with, who would it be? Jay-Z. Yeah, I haven't I I haven't done a song with Hove yet. And that, that needs to happen. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. It's gonna happen. It's yeah. going viral. Will even if it happens in ten years, it'll
4: happen. Eventually, it's gonna happen. Yeah. You know he fucks with you.
0: Yeah.
4: Five dinner guests, dead or alive?
3: Five dinner guests, ODB, uh shit, all of mine will probably be they wouldn't even be here no more. I can That's have like dinner that. with the niggas. Yeah, That's right. A lot. <laughs> right, right. Talk about you. ODB, Bob Marley. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, he's up there. Oh, so he good. up there. He up there. <laughs> he up there. Um. Uh. Uh. I would either say Biggie or Big Pun, but I'm gonna say Big Pun because I know we gonna eat good. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> gonna eat good with either of them. <laughs> hey, we gonna eat good. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Somebody who who's gonna put me up on some game, who I could chop game. with. Oh, Prince. Mm. Yeah, Prince mm-hmm. would be dope mm-hmm. to, okay. to invite to the party. And then Rick James, cause he's gonna bring some bitches. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah, Rick yeah. James. yeah Rick James. <laughs> can't go wrong with Rick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Rick. a party right there. Yes, sir.
0: Five songs in rotation to smoke to.
3: Doobie Ashtray, Devin the Dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, a lot I'm of people
0: doing. don't know that Devin is one of the oh, man. Yeah, the coldest, the it's coldest. Man. That's my. That's why I grew
4: up in that I area. Know, so I mean, uh, yeah. South by Southwest, we got super loaded. They that's the lo- perfect
3: place to run into yeah, him, bro.
4: Perfect, super blown. They didn't really like you smoking out there either. No, nah,
3: hell no. Nah. That shit did fucking throw <sighs> yank you out of the so, car. No, we had I seen somebody room. pass. That was the first time I ever seen somebody pass out on weed. Was at his concert. Like, it was hot as hell in there, and their eyes just rolled in the back of their head. And I was like, oh. what the fuck. I never seen it before but it's a real thing like I've seen it in the coffee shop right before you came down
4: the waterway mm-hmm. they had to take this girl outside flip her upside down pour water all yeah, over and like, her, her eyes head was, it her looks hand. crazy
3: like, right like, it's not for everybody it's not it's not for it's everybody not. It
0: i've never seen it i can't believe <laughs> it for
3: come to one of my shows you'll see it <laughs> it looks wild yo yeah <laughs> so uh so doobie ashtray um footsteps in the dark asley brothers mm-hmm.
0: mm. Um, purple haze baby. by Cam,
3: and the dog. Friday, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by uh Busy and you know Bone. I think what's that three or four? That's four. That's four. One more. Uh, uh, uh. Oh fuck. Um, it was a, it's a Nate Dogg song. Fuck. See now I'm thinking about all of the one more day. I'm thinking about all of the Nate verses, but I can't think about the song. Oh, I'll just do one of my songs yeah. in the cut.
0: Yeah. It. yeah, yeah, a weird cool. song,
3: a weird song. There you go. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong it. with that. Cool one more
0: song. day by Nate Dogg is a classic though. Yeah, that yeah. one more day is.
3: Yeah, a lot of niggas don't even know Nate's album, bro. It's fucking crazy. See, I got low riders, so. That's yeah. what we ride around. We Sundays. Yeah. Shout out RMM. Yeah, RMM, Rider gang. Cruise life. You yeah, already center.
4: know. Yeah, you been on the cruise. Hey, show on the way. When you gonna build yours? I got my. I finally got my Bronco. I got me an Come OJ. I'm out there. I just got to get the shit registered. It's hard to register I put a lot of money in it. Nobody wants to take my. We just got. So to, is it already ready, it's ready to, to roll? It's, I've been driving it around low key. I just don't want to cruise with it yet. You got some. You got. got you got beats, beat got in there. All, all right. right. I got everything. I got to take the top Come off that on, man, motherfucker. Bro. I got but a that's the thing. Lift that's the thing. thing. That's when you
3: bring it to the cruise to test it out. Yeah. You don't just test it out. You got to bring it to the cruise. You be like, oh shit, I got to fix this. Yeah. Oh damn, fucking thing came off the door. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just
4: all I that- know. It was a random ass day. They pulled, Remember the day you guys pulled up? It was it was him, Said the entertainer, yeah, yeah. and who else? Percy,
3: right? Pete and a couple other I just homies. randomly
4: chilling at my house one day in the back. But I just happened to be barbecuing and smoking, watching TV. These motherfuckers just, yo, pull up, open the gate. Like, who's out there? These motherfuckers drive their little hot rods in, and that's when I started fucking <laughs> with them.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
4: then found out this motherfucker lived right around the corner from me. I didn't
3: even know. So we about to start it back up.
4: Rider gang, shout out RMM. Uh, one bar lyric of yours that you'd want to be remembered by? Oh fuck. <laughs> well,
3: might have been too deep. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even narrow it down, dog. That's that's cold because, it, like, I got motivational bars that I would fuck with. Yeah, and how about I got, this? And I got game too. It's like, yo, little niggas need to hear that. Maybe your favorite song then. See, that's the thing. I'd be liking to let other people do that. You know? But me personally, my favorite song, I got a song that's called I Still Remember. It was way back. It's on this uh mixtape I did called Star Power. I was probably like 19, 20 years old when I did this song. But um that's that's my favorite jam that I did.
0: Is is, is Rolling Papers
3: on a Cardo beat? I got a song called Rolling Papers too, but I don't know if I got Okay, a song.
0: okay. It's it, it's the song on Rolling Papers. It's no, it's the song on uh is it Christian Orange Juice with Ricardo? And I'm trying to think of it. Are you talking about
3: "Mesmerized"?
0: Mesmerize, That's yeah. my favorite. That's my favorite song yeah, of yours. Yeah, yeah. That's my favorite song. Yeah.
3: See, I was gonna think about a bar from that song, but that song is like so much pimping. Like,
0: yeah, that, that that song hard.
3: It's a lot of pimping in that
0: song. <laughs> <That's a lot laughs> that song. That song <laughs> hard. That song, <laughs> hard. That song <laughs> hard. Roll up. <laughs> that's funny. Go ahead, Jack. If you was a fan, and you could have one person on All the Smoke, who would you want to see on the show? Cursey. Dope. Mm. So, that's yeah, my and partner. And that's Daffy. my partner, too. Jet yeah, Life.
4: You, spitter, Cursey man. Spitter, you bro. Cursey's some real shit together. Get spitter, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's my boy, too.
4: Yeah, yep. Yeah. We need you. Where you at? Man. We good? That's a wrap, man. Appreciate you, bro. <laughs> that, was that was easy. Boy. Good show, yeah, Appreciate man. you, dog. For sure, appreciate that's you, That's a wrap. Thank our guest, Wiz. You can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform, Black Effects.
2: is uncanny usa
5: he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
2: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
5: at&t connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower